Well, we've been looking at the book, we started last week at the book of Ezekiel, and today we're going to look uh, at chapter 2 and chapter 3, at the call of this prophet, this prophet, and he was given a very specific task, it was a task that he was not expecting, he was expecting to be a priest, but now he's in a different land, a different country, and very soon the temple would be destroyed, and Ezekiel was given a new calling, a revision of his own life, and so many of us have had to experience that as well. Today I want to begin with this little question. Have you ever been given a really important job to do? You, you know, something that was one of those tasks that, like, you were really supposed maybe it was a parent, you know, that gave, you know, as a child, you were supposed to feed the dog, and if you didn't feed the dog, bad things would happen. I think my first one was the uh, neighbor's goldfish. I was young. You're supposed to give the dog, fish a little bit, not too much, not too little. I think as an eight-year-old, that just, that just didn't make a lot of sense to me. So I think I put them maybe a little too much. <clears throat> I'm sorry for the next-door neighbor's child. He didn't have a goldfish when he came home from vacation. I think I pretty, that didn't work out so well. Um, anybody do the rock climbing? That became very popular. Uh, sort of, and it still is to this day. I have a friend who, uh, she really loves rock climbing. And as a Towson student, they have a whole rock climbing wall about the size of uh, the wall here in the sanctuary. And she loved it. She would go pretty much every day. And um, you were either climbing or you had the other job. And it's called belaying. And, and belaying, you were the person who were sort of anchored to the floor and have the rope. And either by your own body weight or with an anchor to the floor, you were in charge of making sure if the person slipped and fell, you had the break rope. You were the one, you had to give them slack, but you were the one to catch them so they wouldn't fall very far. Well, my friend, while she was very good at a lot of things, she could often get distracted. And she told me, she said, yeah, I'm on a two-week suspension. I'm not allowed to go to the rock climbing gym. Because she let someone, and she let too much rope get out and didn't keep the slack tight enough. And all of a sudden, the person fell. And she caught him, but he fell a long ways before he caught him. And the person took back, you have to have like a little card that says you're certified. That got torn up. She had to retake the certification class, right? Uh, sometimes those important tasks get dropped, um, and quite literally. Um, in Ezekiel, he was given a very important task. And in chapter 2, it says, Son of man, I'm sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in a revolt against me to this very day. Going on to verse 4. The people whom I'm sending you to, they are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or they fail to listen, for they are a rebellious people. And they will know that a prophet has been among them. Okay. Ezekiel, this priest, was given a task. He was given a task to go and begin to proclaim to God's people, the Israelites, while they were in exile, and maybe even sending word back to those who were still in Jerusalem, in their home city, in Judea, in their home nation and territory, saying, look, hey, wake up. You have been rebellious. You have been stubborn-hearted. You have gone your own way. You have been following your own path and not following the ways of God. You have not been living in a righteous way. You have not been honoring God with your lives. Hey, wake up. 
Ezekiel was given a task to go and talk to a group that was pretty hostile. They were stubborn. They were rebellious. And they were stuck in their own ways. The truth of the matter is, Ezekiel was given a pretty hard task. When I was in Africa, in Senegal, when we were on a mission trip, and sometimes I think they give us jobs to do that are not like real jobs. They just want to fill our time. Uh, you know, because, you know, maybe you're going to teach some Bible studies or work with some children. But then there's just sort of like that time in the middle of the afternoon where it's like, well, there's not really something to do. So they wanted us to help dig a, out a latrine that was going to be sort of the pit that would be the latrine for a um, Christian school. The dirt there is just solid clay. I mean, it is solid. I mean, it is packed down 100% clay. There is nothing else. It is solid, solid clay. And if you see, there were some young girls and uh, one big guy, Tupper. He's actually a minister in this area now. And uh, Tupper <laughs> and I and, and these girls, we were, we were digging. And we were digging. And it was 150,000 degrees, I think, outside. And we had the pickaxes and the shovels. And we were going and going. And as you can see, after about a half a day's work, about four hours, we made it about that far. And the foreman kept going, eight feet. Eight feet, it's got to be eight feet. And we're like, mm. how about two and a quarter? <laughs> we just weren't making it. It was packed down, hard ground. It was solid. It was not moving. When Ezekiel is told to go speak to the Israelites, it's the same word that's used of their hearts. That they are hard-hearted. They are stubborn. They are stuck in their ways. Any stubborn people out there? Some of you guys are stubborn. I mean, you I haven't been here very long, but you are stubborn. I mean, you uh, this is the way we do it, and this is how we're doing it. And I mean, stubborn. I'm kind of stubborn. What's sad is we get stuck in our addiction. We get stuck in our ruts. We get stuck in not responding to God when He is calling us to change. The mercy of God is not just about forgiveness, but it is about life transformation. But you would rather stay and do the same things you've been doing than allow God to transform your lives. Yikes. What if we're the stubborn people? Ezekiel's job was hard work. He goes on to say in verse 6, And you, son of man, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid. Though briars and thorns are all around you, though you're living among scorpions, don't be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them, for they are rebellious people. Don't be afraid. You know, in Matthew, Jesus said the same thing. He said, blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you, when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Don't be afraid. That's what's going to happen. People don't like to be told they're in the wrong. People don't like to be told that, hey, the way you're living your life is going to end in destruction. People don't like to be told this is not the way to go. I had kind of a a spring-up surprise emergency this week. It was from the chair of, of the philosophy department over here at Towson. He said, we had a professor quit. 
after the first week. I don't know why they quit. I don't know what happened. But he was like, I've got nobody else. Can you fill in? I was like, all right, I'll, I'll show up. I'll see what's happening. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I asked him to pray, but I said, please find somebody else. I'm a little busy. Uh, but he, he, he came back and said, you know how that goes. That, that wasn't going to work. So he asked me if I could fill in, and I went. And all of a sudden, here I am, second week of class. The students have already had the first week. I said, okay, tell me about your class. How's it set up? You have some papers. You have some tests. You know, typical things you would have in a class. I said, nope. We have one take-home final at the very end. You kind of do it all in yourself and cheat all you want to. And we have two papers, but one of them I think is optional. And I thought, okay, here's your new syllabus. How the... How popular do you think I was? <laughs> we have six little writing assignments. We have four exams. We have, how popular do you think I, I was? They didn't want to hear it, right? They're <laughs> like, oh, no, 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 no. We were all set. This was going to be an easy A. We weren't going to have to learn a thing and just get ching. We paid for our credits and got our credits. Cause that's a, now they're going to learn something if they're going to pass. <laughs> Not real popular. But you know what? It's the job. It's the job. Because the job is to educate. The job is to, to, to transform lives. The job is to find a way to make Jesus known, actually. Well, that's maybe not a job job. But maybe that's my job in the midst of it. Rejoice, Jesus says. And because great is your reward in heaven. Look at verse 12. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice, because great is your reward in heaven, because in the same way they persecuted the false prophets who were before you. It's a tough job, but it's the job. Ezekiel's job was also critical. Come with me a couple slides. Ezekiel's job was also really critical. Now, some of you guys might recognize George Jetson up there. Does anybody remember him? A cartoon of yesteryear. Real popular. George kind of symbolized the <clears throat> maybe meaningless of some jobs, right? What was his job? He worked at Spacely Sprockets. What were Spacely Sprockets? We don't know. But there's Mr. Spacely. He's angry. What was George's job? He had to push a button. We don't know why he had to push that button. Why couldn't a robot push that button? Why did they even have a machine that had to have a button push? There seemed to be meaninglessness to it, but he had to push the button. One really didn't seem that important. You know, there's a character in, that children of today may love, and of course some of us non-children still like it anyway. His name is Groot. Uh, Groot in one of the famous movies of, of the last few years called Guardians of the Galaxy Number 2. They actually had a second one. Um, Guardians of the Groot also had a very critical job, and his job was to push a button. But if he pushed the wrong button, the universe would be lost. Or he pushes the right button, and the universe would be saved. George Jetson probably didn't really matter as far as his button pushing. Groot, the whole universe hung in the balance. Sometimes I think we end up thinking that this calling that Ezekiel had was just like, well, God's going to do what he's going to do. It'll happen the way it's going to happen. It's just kind of a George Jetson pushing the button. We're a group. 
God gave a call to us that's similar to the call that He gives Ezekiel. Go and proclaim truth. Proclaim the good news of Jesus. Tell others that there is only one way to eternal life. That's what Jesus said, right? In John chapter 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. There's one way. And so we proclaim that truth. It is important. It's critical that we push the button. That we do the work. Look at verse 17. Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. What was a watchman? What was the job to do? It was the sentry. It was the one that stood in the tower. It was the one that stood upon the wall and could see the enemy coming from far out or see even trouble within the city. Ezekiel's call was to the people of God saying, look out, watch out. There is an enemy. They're right upon us. And that enemy is us. We have been wicked. We have turned away. We have followed our own ways. But it was also to proclaim out that, yeah, there's an enemy coming. There's a tidal wave coming. There is a judgment coming. And we will all, according to the book of Hebrews, we are appointed once to die and to face the judgment of God. And no one among us is righteous. We will all stand before God. And we either have Jesus as our defender who says, I've paid for their sins. Or we have no defense. We have no hope. Only the expectation of judgment. It goes on to say, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, speak to the people and say to them, When I bring sword against the land and the people of the land, choose one of their own men and make him their watchman. Verse 3, And the watchman sees the sword coming and blows the trumpet to warn the people. Then if he hears the trumpet and doesn't heed the warning and the sword comes and takes their life, well, their blood will be on their own hand. They didn't listen. Someone sounded the alarm and no one came. Verse 5, Since they heard the sound of the trumpet, but they didn't heed the warning, warning, their blood will be on their own head. But if they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. Verse 6, but if the watchman sees the sword coming and doesn't blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning. You see the task? You see the challenge? The watchman's job is to give warning. The watchman's job is to sound the alarm. The watchman's job is critical. I've told you before, I believe, my my uncle, he was a a Marine officer uh, in Vietnam Vietnam during the war. And as he was going around doing a little inspection of his men that were supposed to be on guard duty, he found one asleep. There's a penalty for a Marine on guard duty who is sleeping during wartime. My my uncle did not enforce that one, but he came up there and just clocked him right when he was asleep, knocked him out, and it was a mercy. Because if he was held accountable for actually being asleep on guard duty, it would have been much more serious. So we, I think, need a wake-up call because we, I think, are these watchmen. 
we need to sound the alarm. I hope you have an alarm in your system, in your home. Fire alarms, smoke detectors, carbon monoxide. Um, they're, 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 they're essential. Save my parents, my, grand, my in-laws, Vicky's parents. Save their lives. Save their lives. They, they had a little uh, lightning strike that kind of hit like a little thing. And, and it did something, but it caused a little short. Just a little short, somehow. Somewhere in the wall of the house. Wasn't big, wasn't major. All of a sudden... A week or so after, it was literally about a week after the storm, the the carbon monoxide detector started going off. They couldn't seem to get them to shut off. They went ahead and left. They called the fire department. The fire fire, uh, department came. They used their detectors. They found a wall that, hey, there actually seems to be something in here. They tore it out and put it out, tore made everything wet. They did a lot of damage, I think. But it would have been worse because it was a small, smoldering fire that had been going a week, and nobody knew. Nobody knew, and nobody knew, but the detector knew. We have that job. We're surrounded by neighbors. We're surrounded by friends. We're surrounded by family members. They don't know. There's a fire. There's, it's smoldering. It, it, they don't see it coming. They don't know that, that there's a, 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 a destroyer that is among them, this carbon monoxide. Okay, maybe not carbon monoxide, but sin in our lives that will bring about devastation. There will be a final judgment. There will be a reckoning before God. There will be a moment when you will stand before Him and our sins will be laid bare. There will be that moment. Now, you don't really notice it right now. You know, things are fine. Got lunch plans? Yeah, I got lunch plans too. Oh yeah, there's a game today. I want to see the football game. There's a judgment coming when we stand before God. We are the watchmen that cry out, hey, the ways you're going down will lead to destruction. The things you're doing will destroy your life now and will separate you from God for eternity. There's a judgment. And we are the watchmen. Well, very quickly, I want you to see some spiritual truths in this passage that are so important. Number one, there's nobody righteous. There's nobody righteous. Listen to how in Ezekiel chapter 36, when God comes back to this theme of the watchman, he says, Therefore, son of man, verse 12, say to your people, if someone who is righteous disobeys, that former person's righteousness will not will count for nothing. And if someone who is wicked repents, that person's former wickedness will not bring condemnation. The righteous person who sins will not be allowed to live even though they were formerly righteous. What is this passage saying? You know what we think some people are the righteous people and some people are the wicked people, right? The murderers, the thieves, the ones that destroy, those are bad people. And, you know, if you basically feed your animals and love your family and go to work on time, you're a good person. You're the righteous. All of us, all of us are actually unrighteous. All of us, even the ones who are saying, yeah, they've been good, they've done right. When they turn from that, when they do something wicked, when they cross a line, when they, when, they, when they fail to be faithful, when they stop honoring God, it doesn't matter what that sin is. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what it says in verse 
23 of Romans chapter 3. All of us. So the wicked person who repents, hey, they can be saved. The righteous person who walks away, unless they repent, they too are lost. We all are unrighteous, even if we see ourselves as righteous. Back up a slide. We need to get to this point of being in verse 10 where it says, Son of man, say to the Israelites, this is what you're saying. Our offenses and sins have weighed us down. We're wasting away because of them. How now can we live? We've got to get to a point where we realize there's no one righteous. Truth number two, we need to realize that God wants everyone to be saved. That means some of you this morning, God wants you. You might think that God doesn't want you. Oh, I'm not one of the good people. I'm not one that He really wants. God wants all people to be saved. Listen to what it says in verse 11. Say to them, look, watchmen, proclaim it. And then shout it out. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they would turn from their ways. So turn, turn from your evil ways. God wants all people to be saved. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says this, This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Don't judge. Don't judge your neighbor, your family member, or others who you think, oh yeah, there's no hope for them. God is calling. God desires all people. Number three, Don't miss this. Repentance is required. Verse 11. Say to them as surely as the Lord lives, I take no pleasure in the wicked. Rather, turn from their ways and live. So turn. Turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? God calls out. God continues to to proclaim. Come. The water is available. The truth is available. Forgiveness is available in Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2, Peter finishes this great sermon um, as he proclaims to thousands and thousands on that first day of Pentecost that Jesus really is the Messiah. And the people are like, well, what are we supposed to do? We killed him. He rose from the dead. What are we supposed to do? And Peter says this in chapter 2, verse 38, repent, turn, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. Turn. Repent. Some of you, that's the call today. There's something that you've been doing. There's something in your life that you just need to repent of. Even as believers in Jesus Christ, we get those sins in our lives. Would you turn from your wicked ways? Repent. Put your faith in Jesus. Jesus, forgive me. I'm trusting you for forgiveness. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're choosing Him today, come, be baptized, and say, I am choosing Jesus today. I am forming to follow Him. The offer is for everybody. And for those of you who are believers, that message is ours. That's our fourth truth. It's our responsibility to share the message of Jesus. That's number four. As it says in Ezekiel 33, When I say to a wicked person, you're going to die, and you don't speak out to dissuade them from their ways, that person will die for their sins. They are guilty. They are under God's judgment. But I will hold you accountable. Verse 9. 
But if you do warn the wicked person to turn from their ways, and they do not do so, yeah, they're going to die for their sin, but you will have saved yourself. In the New Testament, we have a similar uh, calling that was given to Ezekiel. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. So we implore you before God on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Today, that's the invitation. To be reconciled to God. Would you come, if you are not a believer, as we come and we're sing a song together, would you come and say, yeah, Jesus, I need Him. I need forgiveness. I'm turning from my old ways. I want to be a follower of Jesus. For those of you who are believers, like me, who find yourself, oh, you got back into some kind of sin. You're forgiven because of what Jesus has done. Don't forget it. But also, don't take it for granted. Live like a believer. Live like one who is a follower of Jesus. Repentance is kind of a pretty constant thing in my life. Turning from those things that pull and saying yes to the Lord. Would you respond as God is calling you? If you need to pray about something or if you're needing to give your life to Jesus, you come as we sing this song together.